Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So what if I can't spell Armageddon? It's not the end of the world. Have you ever thought about this? The adjective for metal is metallic. Not so for iron, which is ironic. <laughs> That's one of those, somebody will text me at 2 o'clock this afternoon. I just got it. <laughs> All right. So I, I've got a picture of you. Uh, I've got a picture for you this morning. I think they're going to put a picture up on the screen. So um, when you look at this picture, what do you look at? Uh, what do you think I look at when I look at this picture? I look for myself first because I am up there on the top right, the handsome guy in the green shirt at the very top. I, I look for him first, right? Have you ever been in a group photo? Anybody ever been in a group photo? Everybody in the room has been in a group photo. When the photo comes to you, what do you automatically look at first? Yourself. Which is interesting to me that even those of us that say we don't like how we look, we always look at ourselves first. Why do we do that? Because in us there is something egocentric and inherently selfish about us all. We want to look good. We want to be perceived as looking good. Because if, if you're like this in the picture, I don't care if everybody else looks great, you don't want that picture being put out there, right? Okay. Even people who hate their appearance are concerned about their appearance. Have you ever thought about that? Because it's about us. So... I could talk a lot. My wife first service made very clear to me that I spent way too much time talking about this first part of my message and I need to get to the last part of my message. So I am going to press through what I want to talk about and get to what I need to talk about. Y'all all right with that? Good. Well, then stand to your feet with me, if you would, in honor of God's Word. Now, we've been doing this a long time here at Harvest Ridge for 30 years. We've been standing in honor of God's Word. Those are the words we use. Um, we're about to read words penned by a man about 2,000 years ago. His name was James. Now, this man wrote this text. It was a human being that wrote down the words we're about to read. So this is a fully human text. God did not write this. A man wrote this. But yet somehow, through this man, God was speaking. There's this weird truth that we believe about the scriptures, that they are fully human, but yet they are inhabited with the divine. That it is God's word, not James's word, but it is James's word, but not just James's word, it's also God's word. Are y'all following me here? That there is, so the problem I have with Christianity as it's practiced in our culture is it has become so superstitious that we've made it only God's Word and not recognize the humanity of the words. This is both human and divine. Um, all right, uh, one, one, one thing. Who wrote these words of James? Who wrote them? A guy named James. Who was he? The half-brother of Jesus. 
the half-brother of Jesus, wrote words calling Jesus God and telling us how to obey Jesus and follow God while we were obeying Jesus. Hmm. What would it take to make you think your brother was God? Now just think about this. These words then, somebody read these words, they wrote down these words, and when they wrote down these words, they thought they were good enough that they passed them along, and the church saw the mixture of the human and divine, and they recorded them, and they kept them, and they bound them with, together with other words that were both human and divine, and they passed them on to us as the Bible, the sacred text of Scripture. And one of the things I'm worried about is in our culture, we think it's always God or it's us. It's got to be God speaking or God doing something. Listen, I don't know who God is, but there is a God in the heavens who interacts with the divine and often what is divine and human work side by side because God works through humans. Isn't that what the incarnation is? God himself became flesh and dwelt among us. So these scriptures we're reading are... I want us to honor the divine nature of us, but I don't want us to get so superstitious in it that we never, that we fail to recognize the human side of it. Are y'all following me? All right, good, good. I, I just wanted, I've been dwelling on this and I wanted to take a couple of moments, if you will, pastor, whether we like it or not. All right, so let's look at it. James chapter one, verse four. What causes fights and quarrels among you? This verse right here ought to be on your rearview mirror in your car. <laughs> Especially if you have kids. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Have you ever asked that question? Well, James asked it. What causes all these fights? And he says, do they not come from your desires? Epithumia, the word we're going to look at today, epithumia. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have it, so you kill. Now, I know none of you have, like, pulled out a knife and stabbed somebody recently, so let me talk about this. Well, most of you haven't. It is Harvest Ridge. You never can tell. All right, so, <laughs> all right, so since you haven't killed anybody, Jesus said that if you, if you speak the words rock over someone, if you, if you hate them and you wish harm against them, it's the same as murdering them. So let me put, uh, the, where's the verse? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Let me say this. You're out in traffic. You're trying to merge onto 480. And the jerk in the gap sees you trying to cut over with your blinker in. And he rushes up to fill the gap. Even though he wasn't driving that fast, he doesn't want you in in front of him. He's a jerk and cuts up just to keep you from getting on. And under the seat, you fly him the bird because you would never do it in the moment. <laughs> Do you know what that means? You wanted that spot in traffic, so in your heart, you just killed him. Yeah. Hmm. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. You're not getting what you want, so what do you do? You quarrel and fight because you don't have what you want. And you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. The motives are all about you, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And then he ends this way. You, can you go to the next slide? I want him to see these words. 
When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures, you adulterous people. Now, those of you that think church should always be feel good and you should come and everybody just pat your butt and tell you it's all okay, I'm sorry. Welcome to Harvest Ridge, you adulterous people. <laughs> I, I want to talk all the truth with you today, all right? Is that okay? Good. All right, Father, I pray that you would help us to hear this rebuke about our desires and how we can learn to pray in accordance with your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Before, before you're seated, though, you can say to somebody sitting next to you, you're the one I would look for in the picture. You're, you're so good looking, I'd look it for you, all right? You're the one I'd look for in the picture. Hey, if you're online, glad you're here. Here's a smile. Welcome. All right. So I want to give you three steps to getting your prayers answered. Y'all ready for that? Three steps to get your prayers answered. I don't normally get, you know, like step one, step two, step three, but I'm going to do it today because I couldn't think of a better word to say. How do you get your prayers answered? Number one, you recognize the problem. So uh, anybody know anything about business? A well-defined problem is half solved, right? Actually, a well-defined problem is 90% solved. So the first thing we need to do is recognize what the problem with our prayers is, and the problem is our desires. The Greek word epi means on, thumia means, anyway, the things you want on you, okay? So uh, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Where do they come from? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. We want things, and when we don't get what we want, we are miserable. How many, what, what's on your list of things you want? All right, so several years now, this has, been, this has been a process for me. Over the last couple years, God has been asking me every morning. I hear the voice of God different than you. It's not God in the heaven. It's a, it's a nudge. He's been asking me. I'll go get in the shower, and he says, what do you want? And you know what I hear myself saying? incredibly selfish things. I want to win the lottery, which is a real miracle because I've never played the lottery. So I really want a double miracle. No, no. I, what do you want? Well, I just want enough money to retire so I can sit on my butt and then not work. And then I'm going to die because I'm a workaholic and I wouldn't know what I would do if I didn't work all day. So I'm about, God, give me money to make me miserable. What, what do you want? What's on your list of, if God were to ask you what you want, what would you want? A new car, a job, a thousand likes on that picture? A size two? <laughs> a friend group? To be left alone. What is it you want? What do you want? What do you desire? There's a scriptural list of things we desire. There's money, there's lust, there's power, there's control. But when you want something and you don't get it, you get miserable, right? Little kid starts fixating on a piece of candy. I want candy, I want candy, I want candy, I want candy. And you know what? We've full-grown adults now, and we may not be stomping our feet anymore, but inside that, we have never learned to change those desires, so we still manifest ourselves with our passive-aggressive anger to people outside because we've never learned to control the inner two-year-old temper tantrum in us. When you want something and you don't get it and you get upset about it. You know, I, I, maybe it's just me. This past week, man, 
I guess because I'm going to be preaching about desires, it's like my eyes are open to all the things I desire, and I'm like, ooh, I really am not a nice guy. I was at a store the other day, and this dude, he's like going at this other guy because he cut him in line and he wasn't going to be cut. And, you know, and I listened to the words they were saying back and forth, and I thought, you know what? I, I, that's not very nice. They shouldn't act that way. And then I realized that I act the exact same way. Do you ever look at other people's behavior and say, you know, that doesn't look good on you? And then you realize later on, you act the exact same way? Why do you act that way? Because you have a desire that's not being met. So, um, the scriptures instruct us what to do with our desires. And we're desire, our desires are to be put to death. All those things you desire, what do you, what do you want? Well, what you want and what you need are two separate things, but we'll talk about that later. What do you want? You know what you need to do with those desires in you? Like, I, all right, so my wife went to Costco, and she got me a cake because I like sweets, okay? She got me one of those cream cakes, you know, the cakes with the, the cream cheese icing on them, which I love. And, and because I'm trying to be good, and I'm, I'm really working at this, you know, riding the bike and doing lifting the weights and trying to, trying to stay in shape till I'm 70, you know, I'm, I'm going to play golf one day below my age. It's going to happen. I may have to live, my golf game now, I'll have to live to 140. But anyway, uh, no, I, so she went and bought me a cake, and she cut the cake up in little bitty slices like this little bitty slices, and then she puts them in a freezer bag, zips them up, a little sandwich bag, and sticks them in the freezer. And then when I want a piece of cake, I can go to the freezer, pull a piece of cake out, tear it out, put it on a microwave, put it on a plate, microwave it, and it gets warm, and that cream cheese gets warm on that cake. Oh my goodness. Oh, but I've got this deal. I, all right, I've got this deal in me. I won't let myself eat more than my allotted pieces of cake per week. And I eat them at night as a reward for being good all day. So if I'm not good all day, I don't get to eat my cake, and I only get to eat my cake a certain number of days. Now, you don't have to live in my life, because, but I'm just using this as an illustration. So I've got like this goal and this desire, and it comes cake time, and I've already had my allotted amount of cake for the week. And what am I thinking about all night long? Are y'all following me? So what happens then? Robin says something to me like, nah. <laughs> Why? Because I am desiring something and I'm wanting something and I want it badly and I'm not letting myself have it and now I'm grumpy on everybody else. So what do I need to do? You know, we're really bad at putting to death those desires like that, right? Romans 8, 5 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the spirit or what on the flesh desires. So if you live for what you want, all you will think about is what you want. Did y'all just get that? Why am I focused on cake? It's because I'm focused on cake. And the more I focus on cake, the more I'm going to be focused on cake. Or drugs, or alcohol, or sex, or money, or... Y'all follow me? So the more I focus on what my flesh desires, that's what I think about. 
Now, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, if you want to follow God's way, you've got to be focused on what the Spirit desires. And what does the Spirit desire? Those who focus, uh, live in accordance with the Spirit set their minds on what the Spirit desires. So the Spirit desires healthy things for you. The flesh wants you just to make yourself feel good. What is Galatians 5, 7? It says, the flesh is desiring what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit is contrary to the flesh. So that they're in conflict with each other. There is a tension within us. So how do we then treat our desires? Very simply, Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified our flesh and put it to death with its passions and desires. Now listen, I'm not beating anybody up by saying these things because I've just shared with you, I struggle with all of these desires like you, right? We're all the same. But what do we have to do? We have to intentionally decide to kill our flesh so that we can focus on the things of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace. And I'm not really good at loving when I'm angry about what I don't have that I think I deserve. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We'll come back to that. Now, I just want to say this word. If you're focused on what you desired in your flesh, you cannot focus on the Spirit. And if you will focus on the Spirit, it will take your, desire, your focus off of your flesh. Because, you ready for this? You cannot kill something and care for it at the same time. cannot kill something and care for it at the same time. At some point, you have to make up your mind. Do you want peace with God and others and eventually with yourself, or do you want to keep putting your desires first? Now, I was at a retreat this week. Men's retreat is really good. They ask a question. Somebody said, do you know what happens when a jerk gets saved? Guy's a jerk. Guy's a jerk. He gets saved. Do you know what happens? You have a saved jerk. <laughs> this explains a lot. Because there are a lot of people in Christianity who have given their hearts to Christ and said, Yes, Jesus, I receive you. Take me to be your child. Take me to heaven. And they're nothing more than a saved jerk. And you know what you have to do with a saved jerk? You have to discipline yourself out of being a jerk. It's called discipleship. It's called discipline. And if all you did was get fire insurance to keep you from going to hell, then I question how devoted you are to Christ. God's got more for you than simply for you to walk around the rest of your life being the same immature, safe jerk you were 30 years ago. He wants you to grow up and kill those fleshly desires and grow into the person he made you to be. So how do you do that? You redirect your passion. So what if some of the things you desire are good? Say you desire provision. You know, you want to take care of the basic necessities of you and your family. What if you want, you desire love? I want to be needed. I want to be wanted. I want to be included. 
What if you desire protection that, that no harm would be done to you and those you love and care for? So I think there are some good desires we have. The problem is, is that when, if we're focused on the desires rather than upon the God uh, who is renewing our spirit, when God gives us the answer on how to get these desires met and to move them from here to here, we're not listening. Do you know why we're not listening? Because provision, God wants to give you provision. But what if provision looks like work? I heard somebody say recently, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I'm like, baloney. <laughs> That's bull. Those of you, listen, young, younger people, listen to me just a second, okay? All right, it's called work because it's one of the four-letter words that wasn't taken. If, if, you think, if you think you're going to spend your entire life getting up and going to your career and you're going to enjoy every moment of it, you are a fantasy liver, not a reality. Even if you love what you do, there are days that you don't want to get out of bed and do it. It's called work because it's work. And I will tell you what. Work isn't always fun, but I'm glad people do it. Like, aren't you glad if the ice knocks the electric lines down in the middle of winter that some dude woke up that morning, put on his coveralls, and got in a bucket to fix in that 30-degree, 20-mile-an-hour wind, fix your electric? Aren't you glad he's there? Well, that's called work. And sometimes God provision comes in the form of greasy hands and work boots. Uh, yeah, all right. Say amen, somebody. All right, good. That makes me think you might got it so I can move on. What about love? You want love? Well, then why don't you, you know, if God were to answer your prayer for love, he might say, why don't you sacrificially love somebody that needs love more than you? You know, you'll always be the most loved person in the room if you're always loving the people that don't feel loved in the room. Your problem is, is you want acceptance from people you think are cool rather than loving people who are real. Quit loving a facade and love a real person. How about protection? What if that means you have to make bodily sacrifices to take a stand against evil? What if God wants to answer your prayers, but you don't like the answer he gives? I love the story of the backpacker. He was walking along. He was walking too close to the edge of the cliff. He's big cliff, thousand foot drop off. And he's walking along and all of a sudden he, whoops, he slips and he falls. And as he's sliding down the cliff, he grabs a hold of a tree branch and he holds onto it and he grabs it and he can't get up, you know, because he can and he's just hanging there. And he says, help, help, is anybody up there? And God hears his voice and says, I'm here, son. And he says, help, help, help me. I'm going to die. He says, all right, do you trust me? Well, then just let go. And the guy hanging there for a second, and he looks around and says, help, help. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> and a lot of times when God answers our prayers, what we get is we get an answer we don't like, and we want a different second opinion. And by the way, you can call out to the universe all you want to, but the universe is never going to answer your prayers. But God will. 
And he'll probably tell you to grow up. All right? So James tells us how to get our needs met. James 4.2. You do not have because you do not what? You don't ask God. Tell you a little story. There was a guy. There was a man years ago. He and I were talking, and he was having struggles with his marital relationship. He wasn't feeling quite loved and appreciated in the way that he desired. We're adults. You can read into what I'm saying. So I'm talking to the guy, and he's tossing around these words, and I said to him, uh, uh, have you asked? <laughs> he said, well, no. And I said, well, why don't you just ask your wife? And he went and talked to his wife and said, you know, had the conversation and asked. And she said, I wondered what was the matter with you, why you were so grumpy. Man, we can take care of that. That's easy. <laughs> I thought to myself, the guy's happily married, happily married. Guys, I keep telling you, if you're not married, don't have sex. If you are married, please have sex. We get it all backwards in this world. Everybody, before they get married, turn around and having sex. I got married people, won't do it. I'm like, what's the matter with you? You get married, don't stop. That's when you start. That's when you start. That's when you start. You don't start before, you start when you get married. All right, sorry. I've got to spell everything out for you people. <laughs> you do not have because you do not ask. And all it was was an ask away. Huh. And if it's important enough for you to worry about, it's important enough for you to pray about. If it's enough for you to be upset about, it's important enough for you to ask God about. If it's important enough for you to worry about, it's important enough to ask God about, to pray about. So here's what I know. When I was a kid, I had this problem that I was scared of something. My mom came in my room and she said, well, why don't you pray about it? And I said, why don't, why don't I want to pray about it? And, and she said, well, listen, even if, because the devil's trying to keep you awake, he's trying to mess with you. And even if it doesn't solve the problem, it just tells the devil, go fly kite. And you win because you get closer to God. So if you have insomnia, try praying about the things that are keeping you awake. And even if you don't go to sleep, you're just kicking the devil in the teeth because you're not going to let him win. That's good right there. That's, take that home. Practice that. Matthew 6, 8. Why, why do we pray about it? We pray about it. We ask God, not because we're informing God, because God already knows what you need before you even ask Him. God knows the asking is so you will open up yourself to Him, yeah. not Him open Himself up to you. Yeah. All right? So, how do you pray then? How do you pray? All right, in front of you, there's a piece of paper. Grab it, grab it. It's got a little question up the top. It says three things I'm praying for that are bigger than me. We'll get that in a second. Everybody get that because we've got two work assignments today. So flip that over on the back and grab a pen and flip it over on the back. And on the pen, uh, on the back, I want you to write down five steps to pray. All right, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna say the Lord's prayer together. Y'all ready? We're gonna put it up on the screen right now. Lord's prayer. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew six nine, "This then is how you should pray." 
So he tells us how we should pray. This isn't to use these exact words. It's to give us some stopping points about how we should pray, not the words we should use, because Jesus was just ripping on people that use words without how behind it. Are you all following me here? So the reason we don't say the Lord's Prayer every day is we don't have to use his exact words because we're going to follow the how he's teaching us. So can you all pray it with me? Can you all say it out loud? Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, so I'm going to give, give about three or four minutes here, and I just want to give you five, five divisions of the Lord's Prayer here. It starts with, number one, worship. Worship is that moment where you say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. It's taking a moment to recognize who you are talking to. Recognize that this is the God of the universe. So you start with worship. You recognize him as a loving, kind, compassionate, awesome father. And then the second part of prayer is intercession. Intercession. Now, what is intercession? It is when you pray for things outside of yourself. You're praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what are some things you do there? You, you pray for specifically your kingdom to come, for people to be saved. So we start with worship, then we do intercession. We pray for people we love to be saved. We pray for the gospel to go around the world. We ask for his kingdom come over over our family. We ask for his kingdom to come over our church and over our government. And all those things that you worry about, that's when you just toss them out to God and say, your Lord, bring your kingdom to these situations on earth as it is done in heaven. All right? Here's what you're doing. You're inviting Jesus to impose his will over government, over groupthink, over family, over church. One of my two I'm going to talk to you about in a minute is groupthink. We have a groupthink problem in America. And my number two is groupthink. All right. Third, we pray for provision. After that, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, this harkens back to the children of Israel in the wilderness. And every morning they would wake up and they would go out of their tent and on the ground would be food for the day right? And they would see the food, they would pick it up, they would bring it in, they would eat it. What happened if they kept the food overnight? It would rot and maggots would get in it. So the statement God was making is, I want to take care of your today, quit worrying about yesterday, and don't worry about tomorrow because I want to take care of your day. So what you're asking in that moment, and this is the reason I pray first thing in the morning, is God, help me today have wisdom. I didn't ask for money first. I asked for wisdom first. I need a divine provision of wisdom. And then I need his provision for love, to be able to love people that annoy this soup out of me. And, and I need his provision of... Uh, um, I don't know what you... Th I, anyway, it didn't matter what you thought I was going to say. I was thinking soup. Uh, snot is actually what I was thinking. Um, provision for money... Did anybody have kids? I need some wisdom today to deal with these knotheads, right? And they need, God, I need, I need, I need humility to, 
to not be a knothead that's bigger, right? So give me today my daily bread, my provision. And then forgiveness, we ask for forgiveness. Now, most of you start your prayers with God, forgive me. And notice where forgiveness comes in this prayer. Way down. Why does it come way down? Because your forgiveness should be last after you've recognized God and recognized others. Then you can get to yourself. And then, by the way, one thing I want to tell you about your forgiveness, you're asking God to forgive all of your sins. Aphemy, you want him, that's a Greek word, aphemy. You want him to let go of them. You want him to let go of your sins and not hold them against you. And then he says this, as we have forgiven, as you get forgiveness equal to your forgiveness of others. So if you don't forgive other people their sins against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. That's what Jesus said. So what you want to do while you're asking for forgiveness is you want to remember people who have done wrong to you and you want to ask God to forgive them to let go of their sins too. And you release them. And then last of all, protection. And it says, lead me not into temptation. Is that what it says? Lead me not into temptation? It does not say that. What does it say? Lead us not into temptation. Protection is not for me because sometimes I suffer for you to be protected. I don't have time to develop this theologically this morning, but I do want to let you know, lead us not into temptation means that sometimes you may have to pay the price for somebody else's protection and freedom because this is a corporate thing. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. You are asking for God to protect his body and those you love, even if it costs you. Man, that's deep stuff. All right, I, I got I to gotta land the plane. James 4.12. How do you overcome the evil one? A lot of you run around binding up the devil and all that kind of stuff. Stop binding the devil. The devil ain't listening to you bind him. Stop it. Where, where Jesus... Anyway, sorry. I don't know where you got your theology. You didn't get it from Jesus. You know what you should do? Whatever's loose in heaven, loosed on earth, bound in heaven, bound on earth. You know what that's in reference to? Forgiveness of someone's sins, not the devil. You know what you do to overcome the devil? Submit to God. (laughs) What do you do to overcome the devil? Submit to God. The devil can't touch you if you're under God's protective custody. (laughs) Submit to God. And then resist the devil. You don't have to fight the devil. Don't fight the devil. Stop fighting demons and the devil. Come on, stop it. Just stop it. There's a place for demonology in Christianity, but most of you aren't there. You need to get to number one. Submit to God. Don't worry so much about that. Resist the devil. Just don't know, devil, not today. I'm going to follow God today. I'm going to do what he says today. And then what happens? The devil will flee from you. In your prayers, quit talking to this stinking devil so much. Start talking to God. God will take care of the devil. Even Jude did not bear, dare bring a railing accusation, or even uh, Moses, no, even Michael the archangel when he was wrestling with uh, Satan over the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a railing accusation against him, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. That's in Jude. You can read that. All right. Last thing, realign your loyalty. I don't know why the, why can't I just do this fast? 
Realign your loyalty. Why aren't your prayers heard? Why aren't your prayers heard? Because your loyalty is the wrong place. You're selfish. James 3, when you ask you to, 4 3, when you ask you to not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. If you're only concerned about your pleasures, God won't answer you. Do you know what it's called? Anybody ever know somebody? Don't raise your hand, please. But anybody know anybody that has been cheated on? Maybe it was you or somebody you love has been cheated on? Yeah? Cheating, you know, they're in a relationship and this person decides that this relationship isn't good enough for them, so they go get another one. And when they come home, it's not like, oh, so you were just cheating on me. That's great. What would you like? Why? Because adultery means enemy. You're an enemy of God. James chapter 4, verse 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means you're at war with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You adulterous, listen, you cannot choose to say you love God, but yet love the world all week long. God will not answer your prayers, you adulterous people. I'll let God talk to you about that. But if you're an enemy of God, how then can you turn around and ask blessings from Him? Choose your mind. Make up your mind. Which, which person are you going to serve yourself or are you going to serve God? Matthew 6.33, I firmly believe this. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then God will take care of all the things you're worried about. So, I, I don't... I can't do this. I have a story for you. I can't do all of that. So you got that piece of paper in your hand. All right? I'm asking you to do something here. Band's going to come up because I'm asking you to do something. Turn it over where it says three things I'm praying for that are bigger than me. I, I've told you two of mine. One is I'm praying for every person in the world to hear an adequate gospel message. I fast and pray every Monday asking God to save people who have never heard a gospel message. And I want to encourage you, that might be one of yours. Another one I'm praying for is that this group think of sexual deviancy, a wicked and a perverse generation in which we live, is destroying people I love. And that's number two for me. I'm not going to tell you what number three is. But you see what I'm talking about? Those things are big, right? Why don't you write down some things that are bigger than you? They're going to sing this song, and I just want you to take a moment or two and write down three things. If you don't get all three of them, but at least start thinking about them. And this week, I want you to pray through the Lord's Prayer on the back, and then I want you to turn around and ask God to do something about these three biggies. Y'all all right? Good. I want to conclude by saying one thing today. The scriptures declare that if anyone turns a deaf ear to God's instruction, even their prayers are detestable. You know what that means? It means that you can pray all you want to, but if you're not in a place where you're submitting to God, God doesn't have to listen to you. He may still do it, but he doesn't have to. So I want to just issue a little challenge right here. 
God wants to hear and answer your prayers, but you have to submit to him as Lord. Jesus came in the form of man. He died upon a cross. He was buried on the third day. He was resurrected from the dead. He has all power over heaven and earth for all time, all places, all spaces. He is Lord. He is Lord. And at some point, we must confess him as Lord. And if we do not confess him as Lord, then we have no right to partake in his eternal life. He is offering you eternal life right now. And I want to take a moment and I want to ask if you would like to receive that eternal life. I'd like everybody, if you would just bow your heads with me for one second. I have to ask this question. If you're in this space today and, and God is saying to you, I want you to receive eternal life. I'm inviting you to talk to me. I want to hear you. God is saying, I want to have new life with you. If you would like to receive that new life right now, he's offering you. Lift your hand real high. I want to pray with you right now. We're going to pray. Yes. Are there others? Yes. Are there others in this space today? Yes. Today is your day. Come on. You know God loves you, and it's time for you to say yes. All right. Nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge, all right? There are several around this room. Let's just join together, everybody out loud together. You ready? Here we go. Dear Jesus, I trust you. I believe you died. We're buried. And we're resurrected. Be my Lord. I give you my life. Now give me yours. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, that's a starting point. Starting point. You're going to have a lot of talks with God. It's starting point. Encourage you to uh, follow up. Be in contact. Somebody here, one of our pastoral staff, deacons, will help you take the next step to follow Jesus with all your heart. Hey, this week, would you, would you grab your paper, put it in a Bible or somewhere around, and those three things, would you pray for them? Would you start your day? Would you take an extra three minutes in the morning? Stick in Matthew chapter 6 in your Bible if you need to. And open up and say, the, uh, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Jesus, I recognize you. God, I recognize you. And, and pray that prayer. And then flip over and pray for those three things. All right? Would you do that this week? Five minutes. And if we'll, if we'll do that and we will focus our attention on God's desires rather than ours, I believe next week we're going to see miracles like you guys haven't. I, I mean, God's going to just open up heaven. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Have a great week.